Let's go 2019. Come on, man. Yeah, 2019 looks good on y'all. Okay. Hey, we're starting a new series tonight called Self-Care. We could not be more excited about this series as we dive into a very popular term in culture right now of self-care. Uh, my most recent experience with the new form of self-care is uh, related to something called the chiropractor. I don't know, anybody chiropractor people out there? Anyone over the age of 30-something? Uh, I had some like back pain recently, and a friend was like, oh, dude, you got to go check out the chiropractor. So I went to the chiropractor with kind of fear and trepidation of like, what sort of witch of indoor witch doctor am I about to walk into right now? Because the spine feels like a pretty valuable component of the body. If you're going to lose a finger, that's one thing. If you're going to be, you know, forfeiting something with the spine, that feels like a, a, a bigger deal. So I kind of go in there and uh, basically was like, hey, can we not touch the neck? I've heard, you know, that can kill you. And, uh, and so they went through it and I went a couple times and, and uh, dude, and it worked. I was like, I stand before you a healed man. I tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was kind of the most recent self-care. But, um, dude, I love self-care. I'm a fan. And I'm not just a fan. Like, I'm like a, I'm a fad self-care person. Like, like kind of go from one fad to the next along with it of like, oh, man, yeah, this is going to work this time. Whether it's like, you guys remember P90X? Anybody do P90X? <laughs> that guy was so creepy. Uh, <laughs> To Insanity and Shanti or CrossFit, any CrossFit people? You guys are all eating kale and doing deadlifts together. Or uh, just, you know, intermittent fasting is like a new thing. I feel like I'm always down to try something new that kind of comes along. Advocare, anybody remember or do Advocare? Yeah. I tried it. I can never remember to take the, the vitamins. I just like would buy them and then throw, it was basically like putting money down the uh, toilet. But I, I, here's the truth. Uh, I'm not the only person who loves uh, self-care. Like, our world is filled. We love self-care. And, um, and there's no time of the year that we as a society are more into self-care than really the beginning of the year, where New Year's resolutions are rolling out and people are going back to the gym and you got all these kind of different goals for 2019. So I don't know what self-care looks like for you, but our society is really all about it, even that term of, hey, self-care, whether it's staycations or, hey, it's, it's an excuse to go to the spa or join a yoga class or fast pass. Any fast pass people in here or bar classes or class pass, not fast pass. That's Disney World. Class pass. <laughs> or getting your nails done or just taking a vacation or retail therapy. Any, any retail therapists in here under the banner of treat yourself? Here's my favorite thing about self-care, though. If you've heard the expression, which is just something in culture, it's like it's a virtuous way to do all the things you want to do anyways. You thought about this? It's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I have to break my commitment and stay home and put cucumbers on my eyes because if I don't care of me, take care of me, I can't take care of you. So this, you're welcome, really, is what this is all about. Like, I, I feel like I, I need this massage right now because if I don't get it, I'm cranky. If I don't sleep at least this amount, then I'm just not me. And so it's like a new virtuous way to kind of do the things that we want to do anyways. But biblically speaking, uh, that would be a little bit more like selfish care, if you will. But there are things that the Bible says uh, we as followers of Jesus should have in our life to experience self-care. Said another way, there is biblical self-care that the Bible lays out. And so for the next handful of weeks, we're going to look at some of the teachings as it relates to Scripture about how you can be a healthier you 
and experience a better self-care as it relates to your mind, body, soul, spirit, kind of rest in general. So we're going to kick this off, and hopefully, I think it's going to be really, really helpful, and we are excited. But tonight, we are going to dive into the starting point of self-care, that if you don't get this uh, thing that we're going to discuss tonight right, then any amount of yoga that you add to your regimen is just going to be useless or ultimately not going to be uh, meeting the greatest needs that you have. So tonight we're going to dive into the starting point of self-care. If you take notes, you can write out the starting point of self-care. We're going to be in John chapter 4, and we're going to look at an interaction that Jesus has uh, with a lady, and in it he lays out three things that are crucial to your understanding, my understanding of self-care if you're going to experience it at any point in your life and in 2019 this year. So in John chapter 4, if you have a Bible, you can flip open there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John was written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' best friends. And, uh, and he lays out and writes this account of an interaction Jesus has uh, with this woman. And we're going to pick it up in verse 4. You may have heard the story before. But some of the more profound truths that are contained really in, in the entire New Testament are recorded in this interaction that Jesus has. We learned something about him, something about you, and something about self-care. So we're going to three takeaways. We'll start in verse 4 and go from there. Now he, that's speaking of Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Now let me, let me pause. Here's why this is significant and why John is including it. So John is basically saying, hey, Jesus, starting out, he had to go through Samaria. What was Samaria? Samaria was this area, I think we have a map that's up here, that no one, if you were a Jewish person, you never went through Samaria. There was a phrase in that time that, hey, you would dust the sand off of your sandals if you got any of Samaria on you because it was an area that was filled with kind of former Jewish people that basically married a bunch of pagans and kind of blended all these different religions together. So if you're in the Jewish areas, put it back up there, Billy, in the green and on the top and the bottom, in order to get to any of these areas, you would go all the way. You wouldn't travel directly through. You'd go all the way around by the Jordan River because you wanted to avoid Samaria. It was a, kind of a rough neighborhood, if you will. Child sacrifice was a part of kind of cult worship there. And so this was not a people that got along well with Jewish people, Samaritans and Jewish people. And yet Jesus does what no one did in that day. And he says, I have to go through this area. And we're going to discover why here in a second. So when he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus... Tired as he was from his journey, he sat down by the well, and it was noon. So Jesus, walking along, stops at this town. There's a well. He sits down by the well, and it's noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into food to buy town. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews, John writes in parentheses, do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, and he says what only Jesus could get away with saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I say this because, ladies, if a guy ever interacts with you as it relates to a question and says, if you knew the gift of God, standing in front of, like only Jesus could say this type of thing because he's Jesus. He is the gift of God. And uh, for God so loved the world, he gave. And so Jesus says, (laughs) if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked me for water. But she said, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock? And Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks from the well, from this water, from this well, 
will be thirsty again. I'm going to hit pause really quick because it'll give us really a, a launching point into the first idea as it relates to self-care. Jesus points out something that all of us, it's, it's not that crazy profound that he just says, hey, if you drink this water, you're going to thirst again. That this will not be something that will finally satisfy you or satisfy you for more than even a day. It'll be something that you'll have to continue to come back to over and over again. But he's trying to uh, launch you into a conversation with this lady, and he's going to use the physical idea of water to begin to say, hey, there's thirst that you have that you are unable to meet by yourself. The first idea I want to pull out from this text is that self-care without Christ or alone, self-care is not enough. It will not last. It won't last. Self-care without Christ will not last. Like Jesus points to herself, hey, if you keep drinking this water, it's really simple. You're going to have to come back here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And he's doing so because he wants to begin to talk about thirsts and something lacking in this lady's life because Jesus knew who he was talking to. This wasn't just any woman. This is a woman who didn't just have physical thirst. She had voids in her life that she was trying to meet and was coming up empty over and over and over again. What do I mean by that? A few verses later, we're told, as they continue the conversation, this was a woman who had been married five times. And she was sleeping with a woman, or with a man, who was not her husband today. This is what, a few verses later, Jesus, in the conversation, says, hey, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you're sleeping with now, or you have now, is not your husband. What you've said is true. Five husbands today is pretty rare. If, if you meet someone that's on their fifth husband, and, and, or on their sixth suitor, the sixth man, uh, it's like, that's pretty unusual. In this day, it was unheard of. This was a woman that had gone from one relationship to the next to the next and come up empty over and over and over again. And Jesus is trying to launch into a conversation saying, hey, if you try to self-care or care for yourself or cope with the emptiness in yourself alone, you will always come up empty over and over and over again. That this was a girl, I mean, this is the most clear uh, expression of a girl who is thirsty in all of the New Testament. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? For anyone who's not used to that term, which I feel like is my favorite recent term, not long ago, was, or a little while ago, I was hanging with a friend, and um, uh, my friend Jake, and he was like, we were talking about some relationship you're dating, and he brought, he was like, dude, that girl is just thirsty. I'm like, thir thir like, she needs a beverage? What do you mean thirsty? <clears throat> He's like, no, like, she's like looking for a relationship. But even today, we, we use this kind of term, and this is a woman who, if anyone in the New Testament is relationally thirsty, it would be her. And she had gone from one to the next to the next, trying to fill this void and come up empty. That if you try to self-care on your own, whether it's through a, a new workout regimen, whether it's through new goals that you have for this year, whether it's through health, whether it's through a number of spa days, you will always come up empty. If you try to just self-cope, and self kind of medicate with the world and, and experience like, hey, man, I just I, I need a drink tonight or um, I need this new purse or I need this fill in the blank or I need a relationship. You will always come up empty. And Jesus is saying that if you self-care without Christ, you will always find something that does not laugh, last. Because the truth is just like she was thirsty, there was a void on the inside. There is a void on inside of all of us. That you are thirsty and I am thirsty. And if we are not aware of the ways that, that we will, um, out of that just void, 
or out of unmet desires try to meet those things, you are putting yourself in incredible danger. Like, uh, candidly, I have thirst. I, I can have thirsts inside of me or desires inside of me that are just destructive for me, for people around me, for my family. Like a desire for, hey, I just need the approval of people and I just want to be liked. That if I let rule my life, will lead me to a place where I no longer am concerned about the things that God cares about. I'm concerned about what you care about. The desires inside of my life that could lead me to uh, commit adultery because I want to have sex with women who are not my wife. Desires inside of me for just money and materialism. And man, I just need to go make a bunch of money. And if I'm not careful out of that thirst, I will let that thirst lead me to take actions that will impact not just me, but all those around me. Where are you thirsty? Maybe it's just an insatiable, like you, you're constantly consumed with what people think about you or your social media. Or maybe it's a need for control and you have an eating disorder right now. Or just a, a loneliness that's inside of you that constantly comes up and it's leading you to make decisions like cut. I mean, pornography. You know what pornography, the number one reason the people who study it would say people get addicted to porn or people watch pornography, they want to feel desired thirsty and the problem is not necessarily that you're thirsty that's going to be a reality it is what you do with that thirst and you need to have a death grip on the fact that there are desires and things in you that want to run your life into the ground that want to lead you to make decisions that will lead you uh, into every place from a rehab to broken relationship after the next do you know what those are I have a, a a dog <clears throat> named Judah who is uh, a Rhodesian Ridgeback. He's like, yeah, he's like a little baby elephant. He's 130 pounds. He's enormous. And yeah, yeah, sweet. Uh, and he, uh, he did the weirdest thing. This dog will eat out of the trash can while we're gone. And, and that may be like, oh, you know, that's kind of sweet. Maybe you have an open trash can. We have a trash can in a drawer. He can pull the drawer open because he's like 6'4", and he can get his face in there and eat out of the trash can. What happens when a dog eats out of the trash? He's like, I'm hungry, that looks good, and he begins to eat water bottles. What happens, you might think, whenever your dog eats water bottles? Well, it causes some complications. And so he is constantly making decisions, and out of his hunger, eating from the trash, which leads to all kinds of exciting opportunities to be a good neighbor and pick up your dog's liquid that's rushing out of him at times. And you may be like, oh man, that's kind of weird. Why are you telling me this thing? Here's, here's what will happen because of this decision. Um, my dog is what you would call a walking pooper. And um, <laughs> of course, the appropriate term. So because he'll eat trash, then we'll take him to the park. We'll go outside and there's people all around us. Any dog owners here? You will have sympathy for what I'm talking about. So you go around, you got your dog, you're hanging out at the park. There's all these kids. Hey, everything. it's a great day. Sun's outside. And then the dog will be like, oh man, the water bottle is uh, needing to come out. But it can't come out, so he will just begin squatting and walking around and circling people. How do you stop a dog from doing that when you're around people and you're like, he's, he's got a water bottle in there and <laughs> it's, uh, there's nothing coming out. I, I would get it if it was. It's not, and literally he was like going around a two-year-old the other day and I'm like, Judah, stop, Judah, stop it right now. I mean, and you can't stop. He's like, dude, when you gotta go, you gotta go. And it is causing complications, not just in his life, but in all those around him. In the same way, <laughs> there is something, as crazy as it sounds, in me that wants to eat from the trash. And it's not the trash of, uh, uh, you know, a trash can. It is the trash of pornography. 
It is the trash of uh, finding my worth in other people. It is the trash of vanity and body image or trash of, hey, if I only made more money, the trash of, man, I, I, I want to be seen as impressive to people. And it is a trash that if you feed yourself that, it's going to have side effects. I don't know what trash you are tempted to eat, but you need to have, have a death grip and awareness on that. Because it's not just that self-care uh, without Christ won't last. It is that self-care without Christ can cost you. And this woman had followed that inner urge for relational uh, just connection with one man after the next, after the next, to the, to the point where she's all alone or she's living this life where she's not even married to this guy. I mean, that's why she came in the middle of the day. You don't come to the middle, uh, you don't come to a well in the middle of the day at this time. The reason she came is because she was an outcast. She was an outcast of the outcasts. Samaritans were outcasts. But even among men, you came in the morning to the well to get water and at night when it was cool. You didn't go in the middle of the day unless you didn't want to see anybody. And this was a woman who had made decision after decision out of her desire and she'd found herself empty and alone. And Jesus says, you've got to seek outside of yourself and there is a solution. He continues in verse 16. 14, I'm sorry. But whoever drinks the water, Jesus speaking, that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What are you saying, Jesus? Jesus is using this metaphor of water. Water is that thing that, like, the body, it has to have. Your body's like 50% water. If you don't have water, uh, you will die. And unlike food, you can kind of last a little water. Without water, you will die. It's necessary for life. And Jesus says in the same way that, you know, physical water is necessary to life, I offer a spiritual water that if you are going to experience self-care, if you're going to experience soul care, you're going to have to have something from me. The second idea from this text is that self-care with Christ involves soul care. Jesus is trying to say, I, to whoever is interested, whoever is willing, Whoever will receive it, I will offer them something that won't just quench their thirst and go into their stomach. I offer them something that will penetrate into their soul where nothing else can or like nothing else can. It would be such a tragedy if this year you met all of your goals as it relates to health and self-care and boundaries, and I hope you meet all of them. But you forfeited the thing that is your deepest need, which is care at the soul. It would be such a tragedy if you came here tonight and you had a good time and you laughed and the music was cool, but you didn't walk away experiencing relief at your greatest, deepest need, which is at your soul. And Jesus says, I alone am the one who can meet that need. And self-care without me is foolish. It will not last, but self-care with me will involve a soul care. That is what my uh, desire for you to experience is. a relief almost. I want to meet you at a place that nothing else in life can touch, which is the soul. It's not hard to see, like, so many of the things that we think in life actually would satisfy. They never do. I mean, like, just if you think about it, like two clear ways that you can, all of us could probably see this is, is uh, one of them I would call the, like, um, I can't wait until mentality. I can't wait until mentality. 
People have this idea. I mean, I remember having it where, man, I just can't wait till I'm dating. I'm dating someone. Can't wait till we're engaged. We're engaged. Can't wait till I'm married. Oh, man, it's going to be amazing. We get married. Man, I can't wait till we have kids. Have kids. I can't wait till we have kids that can uh, dress themselves and sleep. I can't wait until they're in school. I can't wait till it just goes from one thing to the next. And I don't know where, inside of the room, I know most of us are either dating, maybe seriously dating. And if any of that mentality of like, I can't wait, you are chasing a moving target that just moves along with you. Same thing happens with money. I mean, remember in college, you were like, I just can't wait to have a job. Unbelievable, 30 grand. I'm just like throwing money everywhere. (laughs) And then you're like, I can't wait till I have 40 grand, 50 grand. And it never goes away. Because there's something inside of you that no amount of money, no relationship, nothing can touch but him, but Jesus. And he says, self-care with me involves a soul care that I want to come in and allow them to experience at the deepest level satisfaction. The second place we see it is in just like celebrities. I mean, you look at these people, I mean, they're, they're so, you're like, you are the most attractive, wealthy, successful person ever, and you work like you make a movie where someone just tells you to read a line for like a month, a year, you have everything anybody could ever want, and the number of them that are on antidepressants is unbelievable. Just look into it. The number of them who've come out from Cameron Diaz to Tom Brady to Brad Pitt to Jim Carrey to Lady Gaga, Demi Lovato, on and on, and said, like, hey, if you think anything here will satisfy, you are deceived. I mean, just think even about the the idea. They've got everything you ever want. They've got more access to self-care than we'll ever have. They get a massage a day. They get to have their own masseuse. They could go shopping whenever they want and not really get worried about it. Like, they're able to go on vacation whenever they want to. They own a little small island, and they're all depressed, or many of them are. I think about that. You're going to Tahiti in your own little vacation, and you're packing pills to help you cope with the depression of your life. That's crazy. And I'm not saying anything about even antidepressant meds. That's not my point. My point is the people who have the life that everyone would go, oh, that's amazing are trying to cope with just the sadness of the reality of their life because there's something empty in them that no success, no fame, no money can ever satisfy. And Jesus would say, you're thirsty. And there is only one well that can meet that need. There was an interview just with Tom Brady, who does it again. Um, I mean, the dude's like 85, and he is (laughs) just crushing it. It's unbelievable, Tom. Give everybody else a shot, okay? Uh, sorry, Patriots people. And um, it's true. And he interviewed on 60 Minutes, and basically uh, he said just this exact thing. He's the guy who's won multiple Super Bowls. He's married to this supermodel. And here's what he said. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings, and I think there's still something greater out there for me? I mean, a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is it. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think... God, there's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be all that it's cracked up to be. What's the answer, they asked him. He said, I wish that I knew. I wish I knew. I think there's a lot of parts about me that I'm still trying to find. Translation, what did you just say? Tom Brady, the guy who's literally got, you'd be like, that's got to be nice. He says, I climbed the mountain of success, and I got to the top, and there was nothing there. I've been on the wrong mountain. It was empty. And Jesus would say, 
There is no amount of success, no amount of money, no amount of relationship. There's no man out there. There's no woman out there. There's no uh, ability to have children or whatever you find yourself being like, I wish. There's no job that can ultimately satisfy. And there's no person who's in any circumstance out there that cannot currently experience satisfaction if they will turn to him. Jim Carrey said that I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could see how empty and meaningless it all is. Empty. So Jesus interacts with this woman and he basically presses in and says, you're coming up, you've been married five times. One man to the next. You're thirsty. And I offer you a water that can quench your thirst. And he begins to kind of press in on an area that had to be a sensitive subject with this woman. And what does she do? She does what many of us do. When God is kind of pressing in on us and we try to move away from it or change the subject, here's what happens. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty. You have to come draw here. And he told her, go and call your husband. We read this earlier. I have no husband. She said, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five. And the man, you are now, the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. How long was the pause after that sentence? I mean, this is, I, I don't even know a modern equivalent. That a random stranger shows up and actually tells you something. There's like no way that he could know this. And she begins to say, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I can see that you're a prophet. And then she does what so many of us do. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus brings up kind of this, this uh, very tender topic with her. And she's like, oh, wow, okay, relational. You want to talk about my relationships? While we're on the subject, do you, you guys said we should worship on this mountain. Let's talk about mountains. And uh, just tries to distract from the conversation. And Jesus, you got to love Jesus because he goes with her. And he says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Basically, like God gave the Old Testament, the Bible then, to the Jewish people. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jesus says, you're defining worship as you do worship at this mountain or that mountain or in this church or in this church building or at this time of the week or on Sunday. Worship is not something you do at a building. It's not about where you worship or even when you worship. Worship is something you do in spirit, as in constantly. Worship is more about how you live your life. You're constantly living and constantly uh, worshiping. If you're worshiping or living in spirit and truth, Jesus says. For God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, and he. We're going to come back to that in a second. But Jesus essentially lays out, hey, worship, uh, the most important thing about worship is not um, where you worship, but who you worship and how you worship. The worship is something that's constantly going on, and God is not seeking people to worship him in a building in a moment or not some religious exercise, but a relationship. Self-care, if you're going to experience it this year, and gosh, I want to, if you're going to experience self-care, health, growth, you to become everything that you want to be in life, 
It is gonna involve the third idea, which self-care with Christ involves an ongoing relationship with him. It involves an ongoing relationship with Jesus. A growing relationship with him. Not some religious action, that's what he's saying. Hey, in spirit, constantly in connection with the Father. If you're gonna experience self-care, it involves an ongoing relationship, which means in order for you to have a growing relationship, what do you have to do? What do you have to do to grow any relationship? It takes time, communication, listening to one another, prioritizing. If you're gonna experience growing and being increasingly healthy, self-care, it will involve a growing relationship. You will prioritize spending time in God's word. That's what I mean by listening. You will prioritize prayer. One of the things that is at the top of my list, dude, I just wanna pray more this year. I wanna continue to just develop the habit of God when my life is going crazy, will you help me turn to you? God, will you help me pray more? I'm about to walk into this meeting, I'm concerned about what they're gonna think about me or maybe I'm just anxious or, um, God, I can't fall asleep right now. Will you help me? If you're gonna experience a growing relationship, it's gonna involve spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, growing that relationship priority. It's gonna involve work. There's no relationship if you get married or if you are married, there's no marriage out there that doesn't take work. Relationships take prioritization and work. And if you're gonna grow your relationship with Jesus, it's going to involve this happening. I think one of the craziest or maybe the saddest things, so when you read this, you're like, Jesus says, hey, drink the water I give him, you'll never thirst again. And there's a lot of Christians because they don't practice what Jesus said of worshiping in spirit and in truth, worship constantly, having a relationship with God, because they don't practice that, they're thirsty. Like you may be a Christian in the room and you're like, dude, I, I believe in that, yeah, the whole Jesus thing, yeah, Jesus satisfied the thirst, yeah, that's great, I'm in on that, but I, I'm still empty. There's still part of me that just feels like empty. And it's because you are not taking advantage of what you have access to, a relationship with God. You're not prioritizing your relationship, spending time in his word, spending time with him walking with God's people. You have access to something that you've started, but you're not consistently applying it to your life. It's not just similar to this. Remember, I talked about the chiropractor, so I went, and while I was there, I went three times, like in a few days, and it was like, dude, this is awesome, amazing. And, and they were like, yeah, if you sign up for 70 bucks a month, you can uh, have an unlimited pass. I'm like, unlimited pass? I can come in here anytime? Unlimited pass, done, sign on the dotted line. I haven't been back since. I need to go cancel it, but you can't do it over the phone. And, uh, and if in a year, I like kept the membership, and you came up to me and you're like, hey, you know, mentioned the chiropractor thing, how's that going, still a believer, I'm thinking about doing it myself, and I was like, you know, it worked initially, but it really hasn't worked since. I mean, I haven't been back since, but, uh, but I don't know that I would really encourage anyone to do that. You would say the problem is not with chiropractors, it's that you're not going. You're not taking advantage of what you have access to. The problem is not that Jesus doesn't bring satisfaction. The problem is that you are not taking advantage of what you have access to. And if you're going to experience self-care, it's going to involve an ongoing relationship. That's what God, it says in the text, the Father is seeking you. Not for you to do some deed once a week and religious act to have a relationship with you. That's what God is seeking. 
And if you're going to experience that, like here's the problem. A lot of people in the world are like, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe in him, living water, great. And I'm kind of experiencing my purpose. It's because you're kind of following Jesus. Hey, I'm kind of experiencing peace. It's because you're kind of following Jesus, which I may not even really be following Jesus. And he's inviting you, man, I want you to experience the life you were made for. But it's going to involve prioritizing, spending time with me. In summary, just this idea that self-care without Christ won't last. Self-care with Christ brings soul care. And self-care with Christ is an ongoing relationship. When I was in college, my senior year, we had the final spring break, which was so sad. Uh, just because you don't get those anymore. And um, my roommates, we were deciding what to do. And, and there was this girl that I was all interested in. And I knew where she and her friends were going for spring break. So I was like, guys, hey, look, beach, it's going to be great. Her and her friends were going to Destin, Florida. We weren't dating. And I was like, we should go to Destin, Florida. How great would that be? And uh, they're like, with like all the families? And I'm like, it's going to be great. Good family experience together. And and convinced them we were going to go to like Alabama and convince them to go way out of our way just because there was a relationship with this girl uh, who's now my wife um, that, uh, yeah, I know, that's, let me close in prayer, okay? And uh, <clears throat> just wanted everyone to know that I was going out of my way to seek to be in relationship with her. This text over and over talks about seeking. There's a woman, and she's seeking to fill a void that her relationships can't meet. And she's trying one after the next after the next, and she's still empty. She's thirsty inside. She's seeking. It says that Jesus was seeking her. I mean, think about how it started. Jesus had to go to Samaria. Think about that sentence for a second. You had to? You're Jesus. You don't have to do anything. And he woke up that morning and said, I've got to go. There's a woman I'm going to go meet. She's the outcast of outcasts. She's the woman that no one wants to have anything to do with but the Son of God. And he woke up with her on his mind. He was seeking a relationship with her. The very first person in all of the Bible that Jesus says, I'm the Messiah, is the most relationally dysfunctional person in all of the Bible. And he says, I haven't given up on you. She believed that day. And the story goes on, and all of her life was changed. Because it was a man who was seeking, and she responded to that. Not only does it say that, it says the Father is seeking a relationship with you. Here's what I know. If you're inside of the room right now, there's a God who wants something so much more for you than just a... a, message on Tuesday night or a worship song on Tuesday night. He wants a relationship with you. And from the very first breath you took in our planet, he's been seeking you. Until the last day that you live on our planet, he will be seeking you. How do I know that? Because the very same word that it says Jesus had to go to Samaria is used in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus looked at Jerusalem and he said, I have to go to Jerusalem to die on behalf of the human race. On behalf of every person that's ever sat in any one of these seats who's ever lived on this planet, if you're listening to me right now, there's a God who is there who is seeking you. You woke up this morning and he is crazy about you. He's seeking you. You think that there is a God out there that if he's there, I don't think he wants anything to do with me. 
I'm a porn addict. I'm an abortion. Uh, I've done, had an abortion. I was a part of telling someone to have an abortion. I'm an addict. And you think the God who's there doesn't want anything to do with you. You don't want anything to do with you. And he's crazy about you. And he is doing everything he can to seek out, not so that you would just uh, trust in him, though that is enough, so that you would walk with him and have a relationship with him this year. My prayer for you, my prayer for this message would be, God, would you awaken us to have an ongoing, constant, growing relationship with you, where we experience our spirit and in truth relationship with the Father who's there, who's been seeking you, even right now. There are some of you that are here and a friend invited you and you thought you were going to the porch restaurant and you're like, what are we doing here? The Father is seeking you. He has not forgotten you. He is crazy about you. He has given his life for you because just like he had to go to Samaria, he says, I have to go to the cross because for the joy set before him, Hebrews chapter 12 says, he died for you. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know what you believe. But there is one man who can satisfy the desires of your soul. You were made for it. And there is no other well that can. And tonight, he is seeking you and reaching in your direction, all of our direction, and inviting us to walk and accept him and walk with him in relationship. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who goes out of your way for sinful, broken people like me, like this woman who had no idea what she was going to encounter that day, but she just went to get water and avoid people. There was a God who couldn't avoid meeting her, and I pray for friends in the room who have never accepted that, who have never come to just acknowledge or understand that you are not there demanding some sort of uh, sacraments from us, but you gave a sacrifice for us by giving your life and dying in our place to pay for all the sins in our past and our present. And no matter our story, you're not done with us. And you have been pursuing us in ways that we can't even fully see now. But we for sure can see the pursuit of you on the cross. And so, Lord, for anyone who's never put their faith in Christ tonight, I pray that tonight would be their night. They would not leave their seat. They would not leave this building without coming to a confident place in their faith in you. I pray that you would allow those of us with one foot in the world and one foot out of it that are kind of following Jesus and kind of experiencing peace to take a step in your direction and experience self-care, the self-care they're looking for, that the truth is, there's a self-care that's been looking for us, despite the fact that we didn't even realize it. A self-care by the name of Christ. Thank you that you're a God who seeks. We worship you now in song.